you welcome Bible Code 7, University of Spiritual Warfare. I want to take this opportunity first to thank you all for being online with us. Thank you for coming on board. Uh, I'm not able to hear you because I'm recording right now, but I thank you for being on board. And if you're coming on for the first time, we appreciate your coming. If you're international, uh, part of our international posse, we thank you for being part of it. And we hope you're blessed tonight with what we are going to be going through. University of Spiritual Warfare. Why a need for spiritual warfare? Why do you need that? The answer is because there is a spiritual realm. There's a realm of the spiritual that you cannot see with your physical eyes. But all around you are demons. and There are also angels. There are dark forces, dark powers. There are also the forces of God. And we must realize that. And we must know that we operate in that realm. And the spiritual realm are even more real than the physical realm. The physical realm will pass away. People die. The human bodies go back to the ground. But the spirit goes, the soul goes back to where they have determined for it to be. So we must understand that things are in the spiritual realm. They're eternal. They're everlasting. So we have to deal with that realm. And many people who do not know the Lord and they don't know the Bible, they call it a parallel universe a parallel universe. And they're always seeking to cross the, 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 the threshold or the barrier to enter that universe. And we, we enter that universe every day. When we begin to pray, our bodies are down here on earth, but the Bible says when you call on the Lord in the name of Jesus, we go before his throne, the throne of grace, to find mercy and then grace to help us in our time of need. So even though our bodies are here on earth, we cross the dimensional barrier and we access the spiritual realm and we stand before the living God of all creation because we belong to him through Jesus Christ. So the spiritual dimensions make us know we need spiritual warfare. Why do we need spiritual warfare? Satan and his demons exist in the spiritual dimension. Demonic forces fallen angels, which all Satan is, is a fallen angel. He used to be in heaven, and he was up there with God. He was a worship leader. He was a very high-powered or very high, a prominent angel. But the Bible says iniquity was found in him, and he was cast out of heaven. And who cast him out of heaven? Not God. Not Jesus. Michael. The archangel, the great angel. So he just fought them and cast them out of heaven. How many angels were cast down to earth? One third of the angels. A third. About 33.33% were cast down to earth. So a third of the angels followed Satan and they were cast out of heaven, which means Two-thirds were allegiant to God, and they're fighting for us. And understand carefully, one-third can never overcome two-thirds. So we need spiritual warfare because we are confronting Satan and his demons who hate mankind. He hates mankind, us people, because we are made in the image and the likeness of God. 
and Satan is not redeemable. There's no redemption for him. He's on a one-way ticket to the lake of fire where he and his demons will be tormented for all eternity. We, no matter how bad we are, no matter what you have done, no matter how many times you did it, who you did it with and who you did it to, I was an atheist. I denied the very existence of God. And I told people that many times. But there is forgiveness for all humans. So no matter what you have done, you're not too far gone that God cannot forgive you and make you his son or his daughter. So understand this is what it's all about. That's why we need spiritual warfare. God's angels are positioned in the spiritual dimension to watch over us. But God's angels are, he are listening to hear the word of God to operate. That's why we need spiritual warfare. What do we war with? The word of God, the sword of the spirit. How do we do it? We use commanding speech to speak the word of God. And when we use commanding speech to declare the word of God, we oppose, we counteract the curses of the demons or the demonic agents, the witches, the warlocks, or just evil, mean, wicked people who would seek to curse us. And when they curse us, we have to counter those wicked words. And we don't curse the people back. We curse the demons. We come against the demons. We send the curses back to those who sent it to us. And that's biblical. Let the curses go right back to them and be like water in their uh, uh, bowels and like oil in their bones. Send it back to them. You don't want it sticking to you. But we bless people. And even if you see John Brown or Mary Sue and they, they say something, bless them. We bless them. But my God, when we go for spiritual warfare, and we don't know who is cursing us. We say anybody who curses us, the wicked, the warlock, the witches, we speak the word and let God, the righteous judge, make the final decision. And that's why you need spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare, why do we need spiritual warfare? Because you must understand that you have authority. You have a rank. And you are to stand over your wife, your children, husbands, listen up. Just as you would not allow somebody to come in your home and, uh, and bother and hurt your family, your wife and your children, you'd use your baseball bat, your machete, your gun, whatever. You're protecting your children. Well, you need to understand that there's an invisible enemy who wants to creep in your home and wreck your marriage, wreck your home, wreck your family, make your children go haywire, become perverted, corrupt, do all kind of stuff. Step up to the plate and understand that you have authority. When you come to Jesus, you have to grow in rank and you grow in authority and you exercise that authority by declaring the word of God. And that's what spiritual warfare is all about. Paul the Apostle says this. He says, I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course and I've kept the faith. If Paul had to fight a good fight, 
and finish his course, run his race, finish his course, and keep the faith, you got to do it too. Jesus came down, and Jesus was brought into the, the, the presence of Satan. The Spirit led him into the presence of Satan. That's Matthew chapter 4. And he confronted Satan to be tempted, tested. And what did Jesus respond? He set the precedent for us. He responded to Satan and that spiritual warfare. How did he fight? He responded to the devil and said, it is written. Very simple. And he quoted the scripture. So when the devil came to him, he responded and said, it is written. And he quoted the word of God. That is spiritual warfare. And Jesus had to go through it. And we carry Jesus. We got to go through it too. You will not escape it. I want you to understand that the devil and his demons, they hate you. You don't have to go knocking on their door, ringing their bell. They'll knock on yours and ring your bell. And if you back up and give him an inch, he'll take 10 feet. And if you give him uh, two steps, he'll take a mile. He wants to rob you, kill you, destroy you, destroy everything about you, your family, your wife, your children, everything about you. That's what his resume stipulates. And, and by the way, he is equal opportunity. He don't care if you're black or you're white, yellow, blue, pink, or purple. He don't care if you're man, woman, or you're billionaire, or you're poor pauper. He robs, kills, and destroys. And he's equal opportunity. So what is required of you on this life's journey? Number one, you're to strive for faithfulness. You're to strive for what? Faithfulness. Once you've come to Jesus and you've surrendered the life, give up. And let him take control. You're to strive to be faithful to him. When we stand before Jesus, we are looking for him to say, well done, good and faithful servant not successful success is not job one faithfulness is job one if you're faithful in a little he said i'll give you much but so we must be faithful to jesus that's why i'm so i'm such a stickler in starting on time and being on time i have an awesome responsibility when he tells me to do something i've got to do do it and I cannot be lackadaisical. If I say we're going to start at 8, and only one person, I'm starting. And if nobody, I'm starting anyway because I have to give an account before him. So you must strive for faithfulness, not for success. Faithful in a little will bring you much. He will add more to you by God himself. Number two, you must understand that a 50-story building cannot be placed upon a 10-story foundation. The Lord is building you. And you know, sometimes you want to tell God what we want, and hey, you, you, you do it this way. And God said, uh-uh, I have a destiny for you. I know what you're going to become. He told me, Norman, I know what you're going to become. So he allowed me to go into the deep end of the pool. And I had to learn how to s swim so I wouldn't sink. I'm going to tell you why. Because God wanted to build me. He wanted to build a foundation in me. 
and you cannot put a a 50-story building on a 10-story foundation, it will crumble and fall. So that's why you got to build yourself up spiritually. You got to fast, you got to pray, you got to learn, you got to get into this thing. God is building you from ground up. He's building spiritual foundations in you. You want to fight God and say, God, well, I'm happy being a one-story building, you know. God said, uh-uh, I want you to be a... 10-story building or a 50-story or a 100-story building and you want to fight him and be a one-story building and just have a one-story foundation, that's not going to work. You know what God will do? He say, okay, all you got to do is pull back from you a little bit and let the demons come because you see if the demons come, you'll get the picture real quick. You've got to eat or swim or you go sink. So you got to understand We are being built by the Lord. And before he can build you, he's got to dig foundation. That's how you build a building. Nobody builds a house, even a one-story house. You've got to dig the dirt about two feet or a foot and a half or whatever and put a foundation there. And if you're building higher, you go deeper with a deeper foundation. So that's what's going on here. We must be built. The Jesus, the next one is that the Jesus fire in you must be greater than the spotlight upon you, or you'll be burned up, or you'll be burned out by the spotlight. You are always in the spotlight. People are watching you. I never knew that people were watching me when I was a young Christian, and I was living my life. Somebody was watching me, and somebody told me, I was looking at you, and I'm patterning my life after you. You're an example to somebody. And you've got to understand that people are looking up to you. Mommy and daddy, auntie, grandma, grandpa, people are looking up to you. And you've got to make sure that the Jesus fire in you is greater than the spotlight on you. So you've got to get some Jesus fire in you. How do you get Jesus fire in you? You've got to fast. You've got to pray. You've got to be declaring the word of the Lord. You've got to come into that revelation knowledge of who Jesus is and who you are versus who Jesus is. And thank you for being on this line. You're learning. And just before I came on the line today, I asked God to speak to me and tell me something. Just, you know, check in with me. And, 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 and if you ask God to speak, he's going to speak because he is a talker. Trust me when I tell you that he can talk. So I asked God to show me something, and he told me 1 Kings 2. I went to 1 Kings 2, and he talked about Elisha and Elijah. And Elijah was about to be taken up in the chariot of fire. And I read the story again, and how he went to to, uh, Bethel, and there was a school of the prophets. And then when he went there, the prophets came and they told Elisha, your master's going to be taken away from you. They, he says, hold your peace, I know. And then he left that school in Bethel and he went to another place called Jericho. And there was another school where they called the sons of the prophets. It was a school, a prophetic school or a Bible school. And they told him the same thing. And he said, hold your peace, I know. But the point is this, that God was telling me, the message God was telling me is what you're doing is a prophetic school. 
Bible Code 7 University College or University of Spiritual Warfare. It's a school. This is what we're doing here. I'm teaching you. So just before I started teaching tonight, God would tell me, hey, listen, this is a serious business. You're operating a school because I told you to. So I have a serious responsibility to teach you and show you and prepare you for what is at hand. Not what's coming, what is at hand, what we're going through right now, which is the Great Tribulation. So we are to understand that uh, uh, God, this, the fire of Jesus Christ in us must be greater than the spotlight that is on us. Next thing I want you to understand is there will only be one winner. I taught you that so many times, but we're doing an overview tonight. There's going to be only one winner, one champion, one loser, one winner or champion. You've got to determine who you're going to be, the winner or the loser. Nobody wants to be called a loser. Everybody wants to be a champion. Everybody wants to be the winner. Nobody wants to be labeled loser. No. There's only going to be one victorious person and one victim. Nobody wants to be a victim. You want to be victorious. That's innate. That's built in us. That's how God engineered us. Nobody wants to be dead. You want to be alive. It's survival, self-preservation, self-defense. And you've got to understand that you've got to make up your mind that the champion, the winner, the victor is going to be me. I'm going to be living when all is said and done. Not my enemy, not my adversaries. I will not die, but I will live. That's what I'm all about. That's what spiritual warfare is all about. That's what this is all about. And we are to understand that we must develop an innate hostility, an innate aggressiveness, a hatred, a detestation for the adversary, Satan and his agents. Not that we hate people, but we hate the sinful nature and the sinful ways of people. So we're not hating people, we're hating the sinful ways. We're hating the demons that cause people to sin. And we have an innate hostility and an aggressiveness against those demons and demonic forces. The adversary and his works, and that's what the Bible teaches us. They're always robbing, killing, and destroying. So we hate sin, and that's what Jesus came. He came to what? Destroy the works of the devil. And that's what we have to make sure we develop, and that must be innate. I hate the devil. I hate his wicked works. I hate it. Because I look and I see good people with some bad ways. Good people doing some bad things. And when you look at some people, uh, you say, my God, look at this guy. Look at this lady. Look at this person. This is a human being. And look what Satan has done to them. Made a victim out of them. I hurt. I feel for them. That motivates me. That makes me want to carry on and pray and shatter the chains of darkness that he has put upon people and shatter the works of the devil. We are to make a resolution of our will that in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them before they destroy me. Did you hear that? You are to make a resolution of your will. I'm going to destroy them 
before you destroy me. I'm not going to allow the enemy to destroy me. Things might be going good, but don't get happy clappy. While you're enjoying and things are looking good, make sure that you're watchful. If you recall the story about Gideon and uh, his 300 men, God says, take all these guys and take them down to the river and tell them go drink some water and watch how they drink the water. Those who get down on their all fours and put their mouth to the water, you don't want them. Those who stoop down and cup the water with their hand and drink, they're skittish. They're on the lookout. They don't bow down to anything. They're not careless. They're cautious and they're always looking out. So they stoop down, cup the water with their hand, and they bring the water up to their mud. Those are the ones I want. That's what God says. So we must learn spiritual warfare. And we've got to understand that we must destroy them before they destroy. Don't wait for the enemy to be attacking you. Don't be offensive. Be on the offensive always. And I've taught you so many times, Acts 12, the church, the lazy church. Herod grabbed James and butchered him, chopped off his head, and they did nothing. Put a pile of rubbish flowers and teddy bears and candles in a rubbish heap, and they did nothing. So what did Herod do? They said, oh, that's a pushover church. They're a lazy bunch of Christians. Despicable bunch. And he grabbed Peter, and he said, we're going to chop your head off too. We're going to wait until after the holiday because we got a little religious scruples. We can't do it during Passover. When they grabbed Peter, the church woke up and said, let the church be the church. And they began to pray without ceasing. And they moved the hand of God, and God sent an angel and saved Peter. The church must not wait for things to happen. Then they call, oh, well, we're going to have a chain prayer for this person because this person is in the hospital. No, you need to get to prayer now. I'm coding at night. Now I don't want to hear no coronavirus touching anybody. That's why I code and cover you. But you got to cover yourself. You got to help me. You got to release the word. Don't wait and say, oh, well, you know, I don't have no COVID-19 and blah. No. It ain't going to happen. I'm going to be on guard. I'm constantly releasing the word. I'm on the offensive. Don't get careless. Don't be a lazy church or a lazy Christian. You need to be every night, every day praying. Get your licks in. Everybody goes to the bathroom at night. So when you get up, go to the bathroom, take two minutes and say a prayer. If it's just the 23rd Psalm, do it. Come on. You've got to understand the time and the hour we're in. We're in a great tribulation. Darkness under the, uh, under the generalship of the prince of darkness. Satan is covering the earth, and gross darkness is covering the people. Which means what? Gross darkness, he's making more witches and warlocks than you can ever imagine. How are you going, how are you going to manage? Demons are running rampant. You don't have to uh, ask no questions. Just look at your media. Look at the government. Look at what's going on in Washington. That's Satan running loose. And you're, you're on vacation? Well, come on, let's go. We don't manage demons like managing your blood sugar, you're managing high blood pressure. We trample them and we destroy their works. 
Don't think you're in the business of managing these demons. No, we trample demons. That's what the Bible teaches us. Jesus said, I've given you power to tread, trample upon serpents and upon scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm you. Are you doing that? Are you following that? Are you using this word to get the job done? That's what spiritual warfare is all about. Wake up and smell the coffee. You don't have to have done anything to the devil. You didn't ring his doorbell, but he come knocking on your door. And here is how Satan hurts and rejections. Turn one away from the love of God. Oh, somebody hurt me. Somebody rejected me. Somebody said something about me. And he make you just turn away. And before you know it, you just, you just quail up and you quilt like a flower. You know when you cut a rose and you put it in a vase, uh, five days after you see it begins to kind of get quail, uh, you know, and it just becomes wilted and dried up. That's how people, because they feel, I'm hurt. You've got to toughen up in this time. Yeah, I said you've got to toughen up. Hurts and rejections cannot allow you or make you turn away from the love of God. Here's another one. How about this one? If you try and you don't succeed, try, try, try again. That's what I learned when I was a boy. I've told some people what to do, and I've told them what to do. You need to pray and release the word and release the word. They say, well, I've been doing it for two months, <laughs> and it's not working. So I stopped. Really? <laughs> I want to see you plant a tree and in two months see if you get some fruit off of that tree. Pinch and slap. You give up. That's what the devil wants you to do in the first place. You quit. Quitters never win. And winners never quit. And if you quit, you're a loser. I hate to tell you that way. If you quit, you're a loser, and you're going to lose, and Satan is going to have you for supper and breakfast. He's going to make lamb chops out of you. And I don't know how to say it any nicer, and I'm not a nicey, nicey person. I don't stroke you. I don't stroke people. I tell you the truth. I don't stroke. I'm just telling you, Bible, if you quit on Jesus, you're a loser. You give up on Jesus, you're a loser. You say, I've been doing this, Lord, and it's not working. Come on, call me. I'll pray with you, and I'll show you, give you some pointers. I'll hold your hand and walk you through. I'll even wipe your nose for you. Hello. I can't blow your nose for you, but I'll wipe your nose for you. But you're a loser if you quit. Jesus don't like losers. Jesus don't like backsliders. You crucify Jesus afresh when you become a backslider. And that's what the Bible says. And I, I, I am very adamant when it comes to that. You can't backslide. You can't turn back. You can't give up. You come too far. The devil must not get a hold of your head and make you turn back on Jesus. You need to come back and say, why is this not working? I'll give you some pointers. Are you fasting? Jesus said these kinds of demons, these categories of demons will not budge unless you fast, unless you pray. Don't believe that you have it all and you know it all. No, you don't. If you're going through a situation, call me, and I'll talk with you. Get a hold of me. 
I'll pray you're true, but don't ever quit. I don't like to know I'm dealing with a loser. I don't like to know I'm dealing with somebody who is lackadaisical, cold, lukewarm. I don't deal with lukewarm people. Jesus said, I don't deal with lukewarm people either. Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. He hates you. He make, you make him disgusted. You make him vomit. And he said, I'll vomit you out. And that's the Bible. I'm not trying to push anything on you. That's the Bible. That's what Jesus said. And if he spews you out of his mouth, then you ain't going to heaven. You couldn't make up your mind between being hot for Jesus and cold for the devil. You try to squeeze in and straddle the line. Well, you know, I'm just uh, in the middle. I'm mediocre. No, no, no. That don't work with Jesus. <laughs> Not with General Jesus. General Jesus said you must be hot. When General Jesus tells General Norman, hey, this is what you got to tell him. I got to tell you what he says. So if you try and it didn't work, Let's go. Call me. We got to fast. We got to go back to the drawing board. We got to start again because it must work. Jesus, General Jesus is not a loser. General Jesus is the winner, man, and he's the winner, man, all the time. And the last thing I want to tell you this is a journey where you got to take your children with you in this warfare journey. Teach them the scriptures and make them recite it every night. I go through it with my grandchildren, and I tell them, and, I, and they recite the 23rd Psalm every night. Every night. And I check them. and I, and not, not that I'm there, but I check with them. And when they, they are with me, I check with them. I listen to Let them pray. Build them. Train them. I won't be around all the time. And my job is to train it brings me to the four C's of military warfare. This is what they train you in the military. This is the four C's. One number, C number one is to create, to build, train. You build men. You build warriors. You don't come in as warriors. No, you got to build them. You got to train them. They come into boot camp. They come in as a, pri- uh, as, 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 as a, as a recruit. Then they go to boot camp. After they come out of boot camp, they're a, they're a private. And from a private, they seek rank. They become a corporal, a sergeant, and then go up in rank. Colonel, lieutenant, whatever. And they become a general after so many years and experience. So you train, you create, you build, you train. The next C is you command. You command them. Tell them what to do and show them how to do it. And the next C, the third C, is to control. You issue the rules, the guidelines, which is the Bible, the Word of God. That this is your control. This is what you live by. This is what you work by. This is what you operate by. And then the next one, the, the, the last C, the four C, is that you communicate with them. You communicate with them. And that's what we're doing tonight. We're communicating. We're going over. So we create, we build, we train, we command, we control, and we communicate. And then I added one. This one I thought is very 
very, very powerful. There's a shelf life. Everybody has a shelf life and an expiration date. We go to the store, we buy stuff. It says, use by a certain date. It's a shelf life. So you keep it on the shelf and it has a useful period. And if you live long enough, you have a shelf life. And if you live long enough, one day, you have to go to a nursing home or somebody, you have to have a caregiver. What you should be doing for yourself, somebody going to have to help you doing it. Why? Your shelf life is over. And then you have an expiration date. Your expiration date is when you die. Come out of these physical bodies and you're released. Your soul goes to where you have determined where to go. So we all have a shelf life and an expiration date, which means we all have a season, a useful season. You've got to recognize your season and operate in your season. You can't get mangoes if there are no mangoes. It's out of season. I am in my season. And you are coming into your season. And I'm going further, deeper into my season. And my season is to bring you from where you are and bring you up and train you up. Bring you so one of these days you take over. I won't be around. Or maybe I'll be somewhere else and I'll sit back and fold my arms and just look and watch you and see how you're operating. Because, you see, I've been through my season. You're going to take over. You're going to come and take over now. That's why I'm training you up. I want to see results. I said, I want to see results. My lifestyle mission is self-preservation, self-defense. That's the first thing. I'm going to preserve my life. I'm going to preserve my life. I'm going to defend my life. When I defend my life and preserve my life, I'm going to defend the life of my wife, my children, my grandchildren. God's people. This is spiritual warfare. Self-preservation, self-defense. Because the enemy is always knocking at your door. Knock, 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 knock. He's always seeking a way to get in. That's why the Bible says, give no place, no room to the devil. Resist. Uh, uh, submit yourself, therefore, unto God and resist the devil. And he shall take his little pitchfork and his tail between his legs and flee from you. So we must understand that we are living a life of self-preservation and self-defense. And we must understand that, again, we must destroy them before they destroy us. Spiritual warfare. The reality of it. The nitty-gritty spiritual warfare. If nobody ever taught you that, let me teach you right now. Turn your Bibles to Psalm 118. Psalm 118. Let's get down to the Word. Psalm 118, let's look at 10. All nations come past me about, or all nations encircled me. But in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. That's the resolution of my will. You might surround me, encircle me. You're going to harm me, you want to kill me, but I am not going to be a victim. I am going to fight you with everything I got. And I'm not going to fight by my own means and methods. I'm going to fight you in the name of the Lord. Will I destroy them. They will never destroy me. I will destroy them. Do you see hostility and aggressiveness in that? An aggression, naked aggression. I will destroy them. Not on my own. 
not with sticks and stones, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Verse 11, they compassed me. They circled me about. Yes, they compassed me about. Double compass. They strongly compassed me. But in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. The more they come, the more they fall. The harder they come, the harder they fall. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. You're not going to destroy me. You will never destroy me because I am standing with Jesus. And for you to destroy me, you've got to destroy Jesus. And there's no way you're going to destroy him. I'm going to utilize his word, and I will, I will destroy you. You can never destroy me. I am untouchable. But the Bible tells me, the gates of hell shall not prevail against me. Nothing shall by any means harm me. Do you understand that tonight? You need a resolution of your will. Get up and make that resolution. Crystallize in your mind. It's either me or them. Verse 12, again, they compassed me about. They encircled me like bees this time. A swarm, a hive of bees. They are quenched. They are put out as a fire of thorns. Why? For in the name of the Lord, I have resolved to destroy them. You will never destroy me. I don't care how you, who you are, how many you are, how many billions of dollars you get. I don't care. In the name of the Lord, I'm going to destroy you. Verse 13, it says, you have thrust, you have pushed hard at me that I might fall. But the Lord helped me. My help comes from Jesus. My dependence is on him. Who do I have to? Who do I have to look to? Man? No, man can't help you. You're talking about the spiritual dimension here. Talking about spiritual warfare here. What can man do for you? Nothing. Puny. Stupid, foolish, weak, limited man can do nothing for you, but Jesus can. So you have to cast yourself on him, cast your faith on him, casting every burden and every care upon him. Why? Because he cares, consistently cares for you, cares about your welfare and your well-being. He is your guide and your protector. And I love the scripture that says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. It's a safe place. Righteous run into that uh, tower, and they are safe, saved, secure. There's no other hiding place at this time of great tribulation. No hiding place from COVID-19 and all the other things that are coming down the road, but in Jesus. Verse 17 says, I shall not die, but live. And declare the works of the Lord. Psalm 118, 17. I will not die. I can tell everybody right now. This is one of my key scriptures. If I'm on a plane and the engines quit, and all of a sudden you hear silence. And people start panicking. And the, the, the pilot says, oh, the plane's going down. Put yourself, brace for impact. What I say? I will not die. I'm going to live. That plane is not going down. Because guess what? I am on board. <clears throat> those engines got to come back alive because I am on board and I'm going to tell the Lord I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord 
I'm going to die hard. I declare his word. He got to back up his word. Jeremiah one nineteen. Turn your Bibles to Jeremiah one nineteen. They shall fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. I am with you, said the Lord, to deliver you. We got to be reminded of this. There is a constant fight, a war going on. Good against evil. Light against darkness. Wickedness and evil uh, running against good. Satan fighting God's people. You've got to understand that this is just how it is. Hello? That's just how the cookie crumbles. That's how it is. So wake up and smell the coffee. They will fight against you. And people, I want somebody to know tonight. Because you see, you don't know the sheer extent of your enemy. They will smile in your face real pretty, flash you a sweet smile. Hi, how you doing? Blah, 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 blah. Your words were smoother than butter, but war was in their heart. They're smiling in your face, but they want to stab you in the back. Do you understand that? Don't take it personal now. That's just how the devil operates. And he'll find some sweet people to use against you. You better make sure that you know Jesus and that you're armor-plated and bulletproofed with the word of the living God, or else you're going to be a victim. Don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. That's just the way it is. They shall fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, said the Lord, to deliver you. Did you hear that? When you become a child of God, God says, I'm with you. Like he told Moses, Moses, you go. Go tell Pharaoh. I'm going with you. I'll be with you. You can't see me, Moses, but I'm with you. Norman, you can't see me when you leave your house and go to the gym or when you go out and you go uh, here, there, everywhere. But I'm with you, Norman. You can go to the gym, Norman, and work out. Don't worry about COVID-19 and all that kind of rubbish that they have out there. I am with you, Norman. And put your name in there. When you go to work, back and forth, I'm with you, Susan. I'm with you. Put your name right there. When you go and you go buy something for lunch, I am with you. And I will deliver you. You can't see me, but I am with you. I never leave you. I never forsake you. I won't abandon you. I am with you. Not only am I with you, but my angels are with you. My angels, plural. <clears throat> Keep you in all your ways. Bear you up in your hands, lest at any time you dash it. Watch over your children and your little ones. I'm with you. Just call unto me. I'll answer you. I'll demonstrate my power to you. I'll show you great and mighty things which you know not of. I am with you. Why do you feel that you're in, the, in this thing all by yourself? Come on, you need to get with the word. The more you get with the word, the more you get into the word, is the more the word will get into you. Come on. Most people are not, the word is not in them because you're not getting in the word. Therefore, you're weak and you're emaciated. My, my instruction to you is get in the Word. Begin to code. Begin to declare the Word. And let the Word get in you. Let Jesus be formed in you. <clears throat> and this is what God says. Because you've got to understand, we're not just, tell me you love me, God. Tell me sweet things. 
God is not a foolish woman who's like, oh, uh, yeah, you know, her suitor. The man who is pursuing her can just, oh, you're so beautiful. And oh, I, and he tells her sweet nothing. I just, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not God. God says you're going to have to prove it. Show me. He'll put you to the test. He'll put you in the meat grinder if you have to. For you to prove yourself to him. Love of God in you must be tested. Your faith must be tested. And then when God is getting ready for you, he says there is some precious oil in you. And you're like an olive. And when I'm ready for you, I want that oil out of you. And so what does he got to do? I got to put you in the grinder and I got to squeeze you. I got to put you to the test so I can bring out the best in you. And I want to tell somebody here tonight that there is a reservoir of power an authority in you that you have not even yet tapped into. Maybe you don't even know about it. I'm telling you there is. So be aware, and you need to tap into that power. How you fast, and you pray, and you begin to seek the Lord Jesus. I'm not stopping knocking on your door until you come to me and show me. I want an answer. I want to be having contact with you. You better put a mandate on God. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. That's what Jesus is looking for. Many years ago, the first year of my life as a born-again Christian, I heard a man, a preacher man, old-time, old-school preacher man, he came and says, the Holy Ghost has come to do business. That's how he opened his message. The Holy Ghost has come to do business. And he wants to do business with some people who want to do business with him. And I said, wow, I want to do business with the Holy Ghost. And I was serious because I, I didn't know anything about God. I was wet behind the ear. I was a novice. I was a baby Christian, and I said, man, I want this. And I made up my mind. I want that. Because Jesus said, you can have it. I want it. Put a demand on it. You said it. I want it. And I'm going to do what I have to do to get it. I'm going to fast. I'm going to stay on my face. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get in the Word. I want it. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst after righteousness, and you shall be filled. This is how you got to approach God. You got to put a demand on God. You don't tell him, go and tell him, give me, give me right now. No, 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 no. It don't work that way. You go before him and you seek him. And the Bible says when you seek him, search for him with all your heart, not half heartedly, not three-quarter heartedly. But when you search for me with all your heart, then you shall find me. I'll, I'll reveal myself to you. That's what the Bible says. How are you seeking him? Are you seeking him with a, all your heart? Or is your search for Jesus just a half-hearted, casual search? That ain't going to cut it. And unfortunately, I see so many people you lost your fire. You lost your zeal. You lost your passion. I got to tell you this, pinch you, slap you. You need to get back on track. You become a little, not on fire, you're lukewarm. You're almost lukewarm. Get back on track. 
Get passionate for Jesus one more time. Don't get cold. Simmer down to a slow gravy. Be passionate. My God, if you ever find me and you say, I'm not passionate about what I'm doing, I'll throw in the towel. But I ain't never going to throw in the towel because I'm always this way because I know what I used to be. I know what could have happened. I could have been dead and in hell right now. I know what Jesus did for me. I know what he's going to do in me, with me, and through me. Am I going to blow it now? I don't think so. That's my determination to press on and serve him and do his bidding. Live for him. I'm writing book number five because he said, right, boy, right. When he tells you, right, I write, yes, sir. He's a commander-in-chief. I say, yes, sir, when he tells me. And boy, let me tell you, he is revealing some stuff because he tells me what to write. I just heard from the publishers today that my, my, my fourth book, the typesetting, has been done. So I got to overview the manuscript, uh, final errors, and then after I overview it, make corrections. And then after the corrections are made, I say, get ready, go ahead and print, publish. I'm under a mandate from Jesus. He's got something that I must do. And I'm telling you, I'm in my season. I just want to tell you something. There's something you must do. And you got to find out what he wants for you to do. And don't be diverted. Don't be distracted like I was. The demons of diversion and distraction. Find out what he wants. And please, please, uh, if you're 40, 30, 50, whatever your age is, don't wait till you get older. Start now. Get it done now. Time is going. Jesus said, night is coming when no man can work, so get, get your work done during the day. A period of darkness is coming when no man can work. So let's get the show on the road. Let's get that Jesus job going. Because time is winding down. Tribulation is deeper and deeper as we go along. It's getting greater and greater. And it's going to become more horrific as we go along. So get your work done. Psalm 91 verse 16 says, With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. I speak over you, there will be no premature death for you. No fathers burying sons. No children being buried by their parents. I speak over you. I prophesy over you. You God's going to give you a long life. Show you his, his saving grace. But you got to speak it out of your mind. Psalm 91, I told you when I started. I started to code Psalm 91. I started to release that psalm seven times or more a day. I do it every day. I have other scriptures that I release. Coding every night, day, I'm releasing scripture. This is what you got to do. Declare the word, recite the word. So we've got to understand that as Christians, we'll encounter aggressive, hard spiritual conflict as a result of the application of the truth, the word of God. 
We got to understand it as we apply the word of God truth and we decree it. It's a consuming, it's a destroying fire. The Bible says, Jeremiah 23, 29, if my word is, is not my word like as a fire and like a hammer that breaketh the rocks in pieces. So God is telling us the fire is his word and his word is him. He's a consuming fire. Jesus is the word that was made flesh. And Jesus, the Bible says, or the word, the Bible says, is exalted above his name. What do we have to show that we have Jesus, the word? What do we have to show that we are Christians and we believe in him? The word of God. I've never seen Jesus and shook his hand. I've seen him in a vision. What do I have? I have his word. His word is his name. And his name is him. And he is his word. We're to hammer the enemy on an anvil of fire through the word of God. And I've taught you before, all Christians are students at the University of Tribulations and Adversities. You're going to go through some tribulation, adversities, setback. You're going to go through some stumbling blocks. Our stumbling blocks are going to be placed before you. How are you going to get through? How are you going to get over? You better know spiritual warfare. Every venom of the wicked's mouth open against us. We have the anti-venom. Fire, the word, the eternal word of God. The venom, poison from the snake's mouth is the words, the curses that come at you. They level at you. And you've got to understand that people just curse you because they hate Christians. Collectively, individually. We're being cursed every day. What are you going to do? Take the curse? No. You're going to get no nasty stuff on me. I'm not going to allow that venom that come and poison me. I have the anti-venom. I have the word of God. So I release the word of God send it right back to you. Seven times over. Every enemy that comes out against me one way, you've got to go back seven ways. So we've got to understand who we are. You've got to expect opposition. You've got to, and you cannot as a Christian, as a warrior, take the path of least resistance. There's no shortcut, no appeasement of the devil. Oh, for a simple life or an easy life, you know, I'll, I'll just go this way. No, God told you go east, you go dead east. Something comes to be a stumbling block before you. Don't go uh, 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 northeast or southeast. You need to go east. There's no blessing going northeast and southeast. There's a blessing when you go east and you overcome the stumbling block. But not northeast or southeast. And some people will be like, well, you know, I'm going to take the lesser of two evils. The lesser of two evils is still evil. And when you pick the, le the lesser of two evils, which is still evil, you want to drop your guard. That's how Satan dis uh, disarms you. He charms you, disarms you. You drop your guard, and he'll murder you, spiritually murder you. He'll spiritually assassinate you like he did uh, uh, Abel. Cain did it to Abel charmed him and disarmed him and murdered him. That's what Satan wants to do to you. You can't resign yourself to defeat and failure and mediocrity. I hate mediocrity. Jesus said, I want you hot or cold. I'll know you're cold because you're cold. But if you want to just hang in there by a slender thread and be lukewarm, he says, I'll vomit you out. That's mediocrity. No fair to middling, no middle ground, no straddling the line. You're a loser if you do that. You lost your way. You're a loser. 
you got to fight. You can't look at things and say it's not worth fighting for. If you have your family, your wife, your children, and your precious loved ones, it is worth fighting for. Don't be complacent. Another thing about spiritual warfare is to avoid, avoid the Judas enemies disarming you. Uh, Judas is like a snake that comes in. He, uh, and by the way, let me, let me just describe. Judas is like a cat. You know, when you go uh, uh, by a cat, the cat always want to come up near your leg and just rub himself up on your leg, you know, and, and it's just go, meow, and he rubs up on your leg and he wants you to come down. Oh, pure, nice kitty cat, nice kitty cat. He wants to charm you. That's Judas. He wants to disarm you. He wants you to drop your guard. And when you drop your guard enough, that's when he pounces on you. You've got to understand you've got to be on guard 24-7. You've got to be on the offensive. And last thing I want to tell you, you've got to bombard yourself with the Word of God. Not bad news. I know some people, they love to sit down and watch the news and all of what's going on. Don't bombard yourself with CNN. Don't bombard yourself with ABC, NBC, CBS, and all the other stuff. Bombard yourself with the Word of God. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Psalms. Bombard yourself. Release that word. Bombard your mind, your psyche, your spirit, your mind, everything about you, your body. Bombard yourself with the word of God. Let that word of God saturate you. He, 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 he. Ooh, Jesus. Let it soak in you. Let it marinate you. When you leave the presence of Jesus, you smell like him. You look like him. You feel like him. You feel like you just had a spiritual bath. You feel clean. You feel the fire coming out of you. You feel a bolt of electricity in you. You feel a rod of steel in you. You feel the dunamis power of God in you. You feel like David said, I could run through a troop. Meaning if I find a hundred men, I'd take my sword and I'll run through them and kill them all. And I feel like I could leap over a wall. One jump. Jump over a ten-foot wall. That's what David said. Why? The Word of God, the Spirit of God, make him feel that way. You want to feel that way? It's possible. Bible says, them that know their God, they shall do what? Exploits. God want to bring you into that deep, abiding revelation with him, where you get to be that way. This is what the Lord is saying. This is what God has told me to tell you tonight. Reinforce you, done overview what spiritual warfare is all about. Now, either you're up to it or you're not up to it. I can lead you to the water, can't force you to drink the water. I can wipe your nose for you, but I can't blow your nose for you. You've got to have the impetus to blow your own nose. And if you can't wipe it, I'll wipe it for you. I want to teach you how to wipe it yourself. I want to bring you to the water and make you drink the water. Take a drink of the life-giving water, the word of the living God, Jesus Christ. But that's all I can do. Tonight, I want to thank you for the opportunity to speak to you and teach you. And I want to say, God bless you. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace, both now until Jesus returns. Amen. Let me take this opportunity. I've got a few more seconds and tell you. Uh, the hundredfold through Bible Code Seven is available at Dr. Norman N O R M A N Decosta D A C O S T A dot com, Barnes and Nobles, 
Amazon. I'd rather you go to my website. I make more money. If you buy a purchase a book, thank you. And support it. Support the work that God is doing. Tell your friends. Invite somebody to come online. And we will catch you again next Thursday night at 8 p.m. God bless you. And have a fabulous, fabulous night.